the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I'm a 30-plus year real estate agent who helps represent people who buy, sell, and build homes in the central Ohio area. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about building community and building communities. Um, Columbus is a little unique when it comes to that, and we're going to be talking about somebody who's going to try to build a community from the ground up, basically. Um, before we get started, I wanted to let you know how this all started. One of the things I do in real estate uh, as being a realtor, and I'm very active, uh, there's part-time, full-time, there's people who want to participate, people who don't want to participate, realtors who do. I am very hands-on. Um, I go in. So when I do segments like this, like what's going on in the market, how many houses are being sold and things like this, there's other things I do is what kind of drives that sometimes. Um, just about every morning during the week, I go to what I call realtor meetings and realtor meetings, or I go to committee meetings through our board and things like that. So that's kind of what I do in the morning since most buyers and sellers aren't doing anything then. I try to up my education a little bit. But, you know, every morning on Mondays, um, I go to Powell. We have a uh, – basically there's 30, 40, 50 people there that all work within the industry, and we kind of keep tabs on everything. We also keep up to date. We go tour new homes and things like that. Um, gosh, Mondays are PAL, Tuesdays I usually go to Hilliard, uh, Wednesdays I usually go to Lewis Center, Thursdays uh, this morning uh, was at Westerville, um, and Fridays is all over. It's either New Albany, Gahanna. Um, but anyway, we listen to a lot of different speakers as well as talking about real estate. And last week I was uh, part of a discussion and the speaker was the Orange Township uh, Development Director. Uh, he is in the middle of trying to update their zoning plan for Orange Township. Um, and at the end of the day, I think zoning people kind of are the guide for how a community might look. Um, when we talked afterward, you know, I, I talked to him a little bit about his challenge of giving Orange Township an identity. Uh, meaning that, you know, you don't live in Orange Township. That's not your community. It's not the same as uh, a Westerville or a Worthington or something like that. So I said, you've got your work cut out for him. And, you know, he didn't mind that at all. It's just that I think name communities like those have a head start. Um, as an example, I live in Westerville right now. And um, when you live in Westerville, you feel like you're part of a community. I mean, there's parades all the time. There's events. There's Fourth Friday events and things like that. Um, I grew up on the west side. I went to Westland High School. And that's not the same as living in Westerville. You just, you know, people don't identify with living on the west side or something like that. So um, that's where I think that Orange Township may have a challenge. Um, community can be, you know, anything. I mean, it can be as small as a... a a church group. It can be as a golf league. It can be a group of school moms or just about anything. But what I want to talk about is the community where you live and where you identify with. Um, in Columbus, it's interesting because a lot of the places are identified by, like I said, the city or the zip code or things like that. There's places like New Albany. You know, if you live in New Albany, you have, you live in New Albany, you have the New Albany zip code and you feel like you live in New Albany. Uh, Grove City's got the same situation. Where it gets confusing is if you live in, um, like Upper Arlington, you know, Upper Arlington doesn't have a 
Upper Arlington zip code. We have a number, but you look on your zip code, it's Columbus. They don't have an issue with identity, but uh, it's just, I'm just trying to point out some of the mixed messages people get. And I get this from, I work with some relocation buyers and Columbus is headed for a lot of relocation people coming in and they, they want to identify with the community. They want to be a part of the community. Um, People that live here, the way they identify it by a community, it seems to be a school district. And, you know, I get a lot of people to say, hey, I want to live in Olden Tangy schools or I don't want to live in such and such a school district. Um, with private schools and the way things are going in education, that's changing a little bit. But it's a rock-solid a rock uh, starting point for a lot of people who when they want to buy. Um, unfortunately, you know, like I said, I went to Westland High School, which is part, part of Southwestern City Schools. Not too many people ask to live in that school district, but I'll get a lot of people will look at the star ratings that just came out and they'll say, I want to live in Bexley schools or I want to live in Olden Tangy. So again, I'm just doing all this where I'm showing you what it takes to be a community. Um, you know, I talked about Orange Township. Orange Township is part of the Olden Tangy school district. Olden Tangy has a challenge in itself that there's not really a county seat because there's, you know, Orange Township. I live in Genoa Township. Part of that's in very little bit of that's in uh, 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 Olden Tangy schools. You go over to Powell. Powell is now a city. It was a village. So that's getting its own identity. But again, if you're doing it by school or school district, sometimes that's a little bit hard to do. Um, I'm saying all this because it's hard to build a community. And what our guest is trying to do is trying to build one from the scratch up and create an identity. Um, I just think that the way you build a community, it has to happen organically. When I say organically, it has to start with the people and they have to feel some pride of ownership sort of thing. And um, I think that's what they're trying to create there. Um, one of the best examples I can think of is Clintonville. Um, Clintonville you know, it's in the city of Columbus. It's, um, you know, it's not the best school district or at least the most well-known school district, but people who live there are passionate about living there. Um, it has a lot to offer. Um, you, you talk to people about Clintonville and they give you that look of, yes, I'm very proud to live there. And there's a lot of things to like there with the architecture, the tree-lined streets, some of the brick streets. you got a river going through. The Ontangy River goes through it. You know, you got rec centers and things like that. One of the nice things about there too is that they're uh, they've got a long corridor of high street that has a lot of businesses and things like that that uh, create community because people can meet there. Um, people when they come in from out of town, they're looking for that sense. And one of the things I'm noticing is the suburbs are really trying to uh, keep people in their community and create that sense. Um, you know, you go to Grove City, there is a town seat. There's a downtown there. Uh, it seems like breweries are the anchor of all these new communities, it seems like. So I don't know what that is. But there's there's family things, too. They always have an arts festival. They always have uh, different things going on. Like I said, Westerville, um, you know, they have a Fourth Friday event. They always have parades for the Fourth of July and things like that. Um, they have some things going for them that are inherent that is hard to create when you're building something new. When, like I said, when people are coming in from out of town and I'm driving them through places, you know, Intel's a big thing right now. Intel, you know, it's naturally in the Northeast. And so people start looking out there. When they start looking out there, they're looking for a community. And it's very hard. But when I take them to... Um, Again, I use Westerville as an example. You know, you're driving down the streets. You see, um, you see flower pots hanging on the on the street lamps. You don't see any power lines going through. You see um, little subtle things. Uh, you know, you see people sitting outside in little uh, tables and things, just having community. I guess to say, places like you know, Etna and Baltimore, Ohio, which is going to be up and coming with all the development going on there, even Morrow County. Um, they are trying to enhance that sense of community. They're trying things, but they have their work cut out for them. Um, you know, a lot of those places don't have the, the cannon sitting in the town square. They don't have that 
bar that's been there forever or anything like that. So they have to try something and build it, like I say, organically from, they're trying to create it from the people that live there. And some people like it, some people don't. But at the end of the day, um, people coming in from out of town want to see what's going on. Um, it's funny, I just was in Hilliard, and Hilliard's got a nice little downtown now. And I saw even, it's warm out right now, and the kids were, I got a splash pond in there, splash thing in there. And, you know, beside that, there you can walk to um, Crooked Can. You could walk to uh, a kind of a North Market type thing like they have in Dublin Park. So what we're trying to do is talk about how a builder, how a developer can do that from scratch, and it's very hard to do. So what I've done is there is a place in North Columbus. It's just north of, uh, I'd say it's northwest of Powell. If you go up 23, about eight miles or so from uh, 270, you get off at Lewis Center Road, there is a community that started from scratch. It was dirt. Um, it's a place called Evans Farm, and it was named after the owners of a big tract of land. I think there was 1,200 acres or so. Um, that they're not just building a subdivision. I mean, people get such a bad name with subdivisions. All they want to do is build a bunch of houses and nothing else. Well, they're trying to build a community there. And this is a long-term uh, situation, meaning that they're not just going to build and get out. They are developing all kinds of um, different businesses, all kinds of different community centers, uh, always trying to enhance some of the natural features that's already there. And one of the things they have going for it is that they're in a great school district. Uh, so that's always a good start. Um, when we come back, I am going to talk to a builder slash developer who is taking on um, what the Evans Farm people had in mind. And he's taking the bull by the horns and uh, taking the, uh, I don't know, the vision and making it come to fruition. If you go up to Evans Farm right now, we are going through the Parade of Homes for the next couple of weeks. Go up there and take a look at some of the things that are up there. There's a lot of different uh, styles of home. And when we get back, I'm going to talk to Zenos from Three Pillars Home. Three Pillar Homes. Sorry about that, Zenos. Um, and he's going to tell us about what the concept is there and what they are doing when they get there. Um, so when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. And remember to check us out on our website, um, Paul George. Well, go to halfthebeatles.com. It's a lot easier to remember. You can get all the information on the Paul George group, uh, excuse me, as well as the subjects we talk about on the show. And don't forget, you can email me with a question at paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. We'll see you in a week. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Again, I'm your host, Paul George. And I am here with Zenos, Zenos Michael Zenos of Three Pillar Homes. Um, because you're Mr. Bigwig, I'm going to try to get you right into the questions. I usually try to have a little segment here before, but you're pretty important, so I'm going to go ahead and get this going right right away. Um, Zenos is you, the owner of Three Pillar Construction. Correct. And Three Pillar is a custom, semi-custom. You're in all kind of, you do commercial, you do all kinds of different things, um, along with some multifamily and things like that. Um 
Zenos, you are part of the planning development of Evans Farm, and I mentioned before what Evans Farm is. And first of all, introduce yourself, and then tell me a little bit about Evans Farm. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having us, George. Uh, Zenos Michael Zenos with uh, Three Pillar Homes and Evans Farm, the neighborhood of a lifetime, as we like uh-huh. to uh, aim for. Yep. So good to be with you. I, I like that because of uh, the more I get to learn about Evans Farm is that, you know, you can, it's funny because a lot of the other builders use a concept called aging in place. And you guys can do that there uh, because I've seen everything from apartments to empty nester homes and everything in between. And I think on the books, I saw something else that was coming there. But anyway, um, tell me a little bit about how Evans Farm got started, what the concept is there. And, you know, we're talking about community here and some of the things that might be subtle to other people that you guys are saying, this is what makes the community. Yeah. Tell me some of the things yeah. that you guys are doing. I'm happy to do that. Uh, Evans Farm consists of about 1,200 acres, um, roughly 2,100 single-family homes with lots of multifamily for rent and for sale and commercial, retail, office, et cetera. And the idea behind this um, is owned by the Evans family, by the way, which they've assembled this ground since the 1960s. Uh, so the, it's been it's been held close to their heart. Um, and, um, you know, the, the ground was farmed and it's still being farmed. Whatever we don't develop, they're still farming it. And the idea behind it was to create something unique, something a little bit more purposeful and intentional, just than just another subdivision. Uh, they could have done that. They're a great school district. We joke around by calling it the largest infill piece of ground. Infill, why? Because they didn't rush to sell it to developers uh, such as ourselves, and they were looking for something a little bit more meaningful. So early on, they got together with a couple of our partners, and they imagined the idea of the neighborhood of a lifetime where this is something a little bit more intentional, a little bit more meaningful. And to your point, um, can we use the elements of new urbanism, uh, front porch living, and create the engagement between all sorts of life, uh, all sorts of living um, and ownership, from rent to for sale, from uh, move up, from, from I would say, from first time to move up to empty nest. Uh, the goal is to create a Clintonville, is to create a, our own version of Clintonville, I would say, or Westerville, like you very much said. And um, we've reached all over the U.S. for examples like that. Um, and when we found out is that there's many great ones at home, too. Uh, whether it's Worthington, Westerville, Clintonville, there's some great elements of what uh, community stands for. And we are relentless in making sure that we remain intentional uh, as we do that. One of the neat things that I see that helps build a community is that, you know, everybody, I, I think the population now wants to be on their own a little bit. They want to look at their phones. They don't want to talk to anybody. They'd rather do it texting and things like that. The new urbanism concept or the Evans Farm concept seems to be such that it's creating uh, interaction. And when I say that, I noticed that when I was walking down the streets and I, it was explained to me that, hey, everybody has a front porch and the front porches are a lot closer to the sidewalk than you'd see in a normal subdivision. The setbacks are a lot more. That just creates, you know, you're going to have to wave to your neighbor because they're 10 feet away from you. The other thing was the height of the porches. I had no idea that that was important. You can't have it so high that you're looking down on people. You're trying to understand that you're somewhat level with them and talking to them on a basis. Absolutely. Those are the subtle little things that when people will say, I don't know what it is about this place. You know, you've got, I call it the hot dog. I don't know what it is, but it's got mature trees in there. And it's got um, these Amish benches, benches that are sitting there. Um, I think, I don't know if this is true or not, but I just noticed this, that every single house that's on a corner has a wraparound porch yeah. and not just a porch on the front. Absolutely. Um, so those are the kind of subtle things. I don't know if there's any other little things like that that you might be able to explain. But the other thing I want you to go into is 
when you drive into the subdivision from the main entrance, there's businesses there. And tell me about those as well as how that creates people to walk to the businesses instead of getting in a car and, you know, going out to eat at Polaris or something like that. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me what that's some other little subtle yeah. things like that, that, that you're doing there. Yeah. So, so many opportunities as we look across into, you know, creating that intentional and purposeful, um, destination, right? How do, you, how do you connect the two? How do you connect the retail to the uh, apartment above? How do you connect that to the homeowner and everything else in between? So distance, architecture, distance, um, front porch living, all of those elements had to come together to create the environment where it's favorable for people to, instead of getting in their car, to maybe get on their bike, on their golf cart, um, or uh, just take a stroll down Evans Farm Boulevard. Well, in aesthetically, it looks pleasing, but I think we're only scratching the surface when you go there right now. I've seen plans, and maybe you can kind of enhance what I've heard, is first of all, you see water features. You see tons and tons of green space, and you say, yeah, every subdivision has that. Well, what I've also seen is situations where I think there's a sports park planned. Uh, I know there's a greenhouse that the Evans family wanted to make sure that stays or something like that stays. And those are the, again, little things that I see. There's been events there, too, I've seen as well, too. Um, seems like there's a food truck once a month as yeah. well, too, that they do. Um, what are some of the other things that are planned other than just the houses that are there? So the idea is, uh, just like with the housing mix, in being able to get not only great architecture but different type of housing so you can get you can reach different type of demographics, the same thing happens with the retail and the commercial, right? We want to get not just restaurants but what type of restaurants, like certain restaurants that you know can promote and complement each other and certain uses. We want the local dentist. We want the... Um, the, lo the local doc, the, the optometrist, or whatever it may be, the local insurance guy, accountant, et cetera, just like it is in small-town USA. Um, and the idea is to promote within your community your neighbors. So you're not going to put a big McDonald's up at the entrance <laughs> or anything like that? Correct. That's okay. not the intent. You know, I mentioned this all got started because I t talked to the Orange Township zoning director and I said, can you ever foresee your township offices or anything like that in there? And he said he would love to do that. Is there any plans for that or is there any thing to kind of push that along if that could happen? I know it's any time you get into politics, it's difficult. But again, if you're creating community, I want to be able to know that I can go to my zoning director and walk to him. Has anything like that come up yet? Yeah, on our whiteboard, the uh, idea of a town hall in mm. in the smack center of Evans Farm is uh, something that we would love to be uh, part of and love to promote. Uh, when people think of Orange Township, we want them to think of Evans Farm. And that's kind of where I was getting at because, you know, go, going back to where I started, I said I want to create an identity too. I want people to know, like I live in Westerville, I want people to say, yeah, I live in Evans Farm, and that's the identity, and they're proud of it. Um, how long of a project do you think this will be? Because it's such an immense piece of land, and I know a lot has to do with economics and things, but, hey, we're growing here. Uh, how long would you say the build-out of the full Evans Farm is going to be? Yeah, so massive project, and obviously when you start um, – when you start restricting and you're not as open to what I would call track builders or track product, um, then that can tend to slow the absorption in the beginning. Um, the return is greater because uh, appreciation uh, tends to you know, out outweigh the, uh, the velocity at that point. Uh, but my guess is 10 to 12 years is what the plan is. We are three or four into it now. we got seven, maybe more to go, seven or eight more to go. And I get this question from my friends who have kids. Any plans for the athletic fields? I know you've got land set aside for that. Do we know if and when that's coming? 
Yeah, so the Jennings Sports Park, it's a different group. They're sitting on our ground, um, so we are indirectly related with them, not directly related with them. Uh, my understanding is that they're phasing the project and they're looking forward to getting the last piece of financing completed by the end of the year. Uh, if you drive on site, they're already moving dirt right. uh, as we speak. Um, one of the, and again, I, I'm, I don't know, middle age, old age or whatever. I see an area where um, there's, I call them empty nester homes. Now they calling something else, luxury living homes and things like that. That seems to be a big part. And some of the people that I know that are moving there have grandkids in the area is, well, when we come back, we're getting close to the end here. I'm going to ask you and maybe some of the girls about uh, some of the specific items that we have for the empty nesters and we have for the family and we have for, you know, a single guy that wants to live in a townhome or something like that. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about more of that. Um, you know, when we're finished with our show, this thing automatically downloads, downloads to a podca- podcast. I can't speak today. That's not a good thing for a guy on radio. Um, if you want to listen to this show or any of the previous shows, go to Apple, iTunes, go to Google, go to Spotify, uh, even iHeartMedia, which is um, 98.9's uh, podcast center, uh, and download the Paul George Real Estate Show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more specifically about uh, some of the things you can get at Evans Farm. Thanks. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And thank you for sending some questions in. We've been getting a few here and there, so we will go over those at the end or at a different show. But uh, also, if you can, follow us on Facebook at the PaulGeorgeGroup.com. Uh, Facebook. I'm going now our website and this kind of thing. Just get on Facebook and look for the Paul George group and follow us if you don't mind. Um, we are back with Xenos and I mentioned he is here for a short time. I real quick Xenos because you and I share a heritage, a Greek heritage. Um, I did want to try to let people get to know you on a little different scale. Um, I want, I asked this of everybody and I wanted to save you just for this question. Um, if you could, if you could learn one, one talent that you don't have right now, or you can, what would you do? Does that make any sense? You did not prep me for this. Oh, no, that's the Um, idea, is to hit you on the... So my background is civil engineering. Uh, And and for an engineer, I'm a very much of a right brain engineer. Uh, But... uh, if there's something that I would love to explore more is design and architecture. Uh, it's something that it, it comes natural and I respond to it well. Uh, probably if I could turn back time, I would do that. Well, looking at some of your homes, I think you might have some influence on some of the architects and things like that. You've got the big vision and um, I can see that it's a little different than most other builders that I see. So I understand that. Yeah, we so, we, we we like to be a little bit opinionated at times, but I think it's important. Okay. While you're here, before you go, won't you introduce the two fine young ladies that we have here sure. that work with you and tell me what they do a little bit, and then I'll let you go. Absolutely. To my right, I have uh, Rachel Durant. She's a sales and marketing uh, leader, and she's um, – overseeing all of the sales and marketing for Three Pillar Homes. And to the right of her is Grace Groney, who's holding the fort down, running sales for us in Evans Farm. Uh, and she's been there for a couple of years now. She does an amazing job for us. Hello, Grace and Rachel. Hello. Welcome Hello. to the show. I'm Thanks glad you guys us. can make it. Um, so how's it been working with the old Greek guy there? Slave driver, that yeah, one. Yeah, he is. Uh-huh. <laughs> always a fun time you know i sold a couple of uh three pillar homes and gosh i should have asked him because it's probably 10 years ago as i sold probably the first one over in gosh behind big walnut uh elementary school i forget what's the name of the subdivision it doesn't matter but anyway that's where i got my first taste of what he could do other than here's my cookie cutter floor plan hey let's change some 
um, let's change some walls and things. And honestly, those people have become friends. Uh, the people who have built that, they've gone through three kids, and we actually have a bocce league together. We play with nice. them. So, um, and then another one we just did in Jerome Farms. Um, it was a little bigger concept, and uh, that was kind of unique in the lot that it was sitting on. We were able to do some fun things because it was on a walkout type lot, that type of thing. Grace, I see you at some of our realtor meetings that I talked about before. So it's nice to see you in a different light sometimes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we love our realtor partners. Well, so good you answer. Guys make our job easier. <laughs> good for answer. Sure. <laughs> hey, I'm going to ask you an easy one first. I think it's an easy one. Um, we talked about Three Pillar and what they're doing in Evans Farm. I wanted to take a step back and a little learn a little bit about Three Pillar. First thing I want to know about is the name. What does the name mean? Sure. So Three Pillar Homes um, was developed on three pillars, which is honor, quality, and design. So that is our overall mission statement. That's our tagline. That is what we base the company off of. So those are the three pillars of success for us. Well, for a builder, there's nothing better than that. And I think that's just a strong name and it gives kind of the aura of confidence when somebody talks about a house being built with on pillars, with pillars. And now we have the reasons why that is. Getting back to Evans Farm, some specific things that you guys have done. What are the different types of things that Three Pillar offers in Evans Farm, specifically to the residential side? Yeah, so we have um, single-family homes is the bulk of what we sell. Um, so inventory homes, also called spec homes. We do also pre-solds, which can either be a portfolio plan design that our in-house architect has done, or we can do a custom floor plan design as well. And then beyond that, we have three sections of rentals available. So the flats above the commercial space, the townhomes um, that are just beyond the commercial space that kind of divide the commercial between the single family homes. And then we also have the COVID Evans Farm, which is ranch style apartments for more simplified living. When I was there last week, I talked to somebody who was renting, and apparently they were building in there. So it seems like a lot of people who are building in there are renting some of the things there. So it's nice that you guys can accommodate that type of situation because there's a lot of people who, when they sell their house, they don't have anywhere to go. So this is a nice transition, plus they get to know the community a little more. And honestly, they're one of the biggest salespeople of the community when I talk to them a little bit. It's a huge help for us, especially out-of-state clients if they don't know where they want to land yet, if they're moving here to Columbus. It's a great opportunity for them to rent for a year. It's in the same school district. They get a break on taxes. um, And they can kind of vet out just to make sure that that's still where they want to live. So. Um, it's been a huge help for us in, in the sales aspect of the single-family homes, too. And they can keep an eye on their construction. Exactly. They can watch their exactly. house going up every day. <laughs> you know, the other thing that we see is a lot of multi-generational families that are coming in. So you'll see the grandparents build, you'll see their kids build, and then the grandchildren either rent or build as well. <laughs> and so that's really fun to see the different levels of the families coming in. Well, and this whole segment is on community, and that's all that's doing is building community, and people see that, and they see the multi-generational, like there's grandpa and the kids, you know, waiting out at the bus stop, that type of thing. So that's, again, it's a great start for what's going on there. Um, You know, if you drive through Evans Farm, you will see, I call them zero lot lines, but very small lots and things. When you're building a house and you guys are starting with a house, what challenges does those does that bring? Is it you have to go up more? Do you have to go front to back more? Um, you know, when I go into every other subdivision, you know, I get people from out of town. The first thing they notice is the garage. You know, the garage is taking up half of the front of the house. Mm-hmm. You go into Evans Farm, it's more about the house. Yeah. So tell me some of the things like that that are a little bit different in, you know, building on a smaller lot like that. So the architectural designs um, are very purposeful in the sense that they they want the homes to look like they could have been built in the early 1900s. So um, emphasis on tall ceilings, 10-foot main floor ceilings are standard, emphasis on the front porches, um, but also emphasis on not having the garage being a focal point. Um, So it depends on the lot, but it is a rule that the garage actually can't start before the floor plan starts. Um, so they really want the elevation, the front of the home, to be the thing that stands out for people. 
Um, and where we typically start with clients is really chatting about the lot first before we go into the details of the floor plan or the amenities that they're looking for. We have anywhere from a tenth of an acre lot all the way up to a full acre within the community. So depending on the lot that the client's interested in, that's really going to be a driving, driving factor for what type of floor plan they can build or how that's going to be laid out on the lot itself. Simple question. Are basements available in Evans Farm? Basements are. Yep. For us with Three Pillar, a full foundation, poured foundation does come included within the home. Um, and we have had clients that have opted to do a slab on grade foundation as well. So both options are available to clients. What are some of the, for lack of better words, trendy things that people are putting in their houses now as compared to the houses in Clintonville, other than, you know, the regular amenities, the girls are looking at each other like, oh. <laughs> well, yeah. it changes. <laughs> yeah, there, it changes so much because everybody's taste is so different. And we have done, you know, contemporary designs with more, you know, straight line features and they don't want a lot of crown molding. And then you have the really traditional style that they want crown molding everywhere. Um, regardless, I do feel like trim is a big factor when it comes to either accent walls or something on the ceiling whether it's more of a modern feel or traditional, I'm seeing that more and more. Yeah. Our trim carpenters are amazing. So well, and, and <laughs> typically if clients see it, they want it. <laughs> that's one of the things when I first talk to people and they start telling me things, if they start talking about woodwork and trim and things like that, I set them up with you guys because I know you guys got that reputation. Um, you know, some of the other things, you know, again, Back to the trendy things, when I was going around, I'm seeing, they call them messy kitchens. Mm -hmm. uh, you walk in the front door, it's wide open. You don't see, uh, I saw the pantry and the pantry had refrigerator and the freezer inside the pantry. You walk into a cove and things like that. What are some of the things, and one of the things you guys did, gosh, years ago, um, you had the bookcase that entered into another room. It was kind of a hidden room yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Tell me some of those things that you see people doing that, they're wanting. Uh, yeah. So one of our clients right now um, who's building at the reserve at Evans Farm, he actually did a dual sided fireplace. And on opposite ends of the fireplace are what we call Murphy doors. So they're made to look like bookcases, but they actually open up to what's going to be his billiards room and his bar area. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has an accordion kind of window for a bar outside on the covered porch and he vaulted the ceilings. Um, so a lot of secret doors are, are making a comeback or doing kind of doors that look like mirrors, but then slide in with a pocket door. Um, so definitely secret doors, Murphy doors. Um, I've had clients do hidden loft areas or hidden rooms for their kids um, where, again, it just looks like a bookcase or a mirror on the wall. And then when you open it up, it's the toy room for the kids to keep it all tucked away and hidden. Um, beyond that, a lot of people do fun things in their foyer. So vaulting the ceiling or doing a trim detail, um, just making it stand out and have that, that grand opening feeling as you walk in seems to be a, a pretty popular feature. I will say also one of the uh, bigger trend right now is the golf simulator rooms. Uh. So going back to us doing a poured foundation, we can design it where, you know, part of the foundation is 11 feet tall. Maybe the rest of the foundation is nine. You step down to this this experience of having this golf simulator room. So that has been a push. Um, I've also seen, you know, up, the bars still keep going, whether mm -hmm. it's just even a simple walk-up bar or something more dramatic. So lower-level finishes have been a desire for a lot. Well, if I was a neighbor, I would certainly want to go over and uh, take part of that when it builds community. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And don't forget, email us your comments and your questions at Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. And we will be right back with our last segment in my tip of the week. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. 
From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group, with over 30 years of experience, will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters. Their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Um, in our last segment, I typically like to give home sellers, home buyers a tip of the week. And because this is coming back into play a little bit, I'm going to talk about this boring type thing that people are doing now when uh, selling a house, it's radon. Um, radon is a odorless gas that can cause lung cancer. Um, radar, it, it, radar, <laughs> radar, I'm thinking mash here all of a sudden. <laughs> so radon is uh, something, if you kind of look for it in Columbus, you're going to find it. Um, and the way you test for it is there's a couple of different ways to do it. One, you can go to a hardware store, you can go to a Home Depot and they have kits. They have a kit that you set down in your basement and then after a few days, I forget how long it is, you send it to a lab. That costs you about 20, 30 bucks or something like that. Uh, it does give you a little bit of peace of mind knowing that uh, if you have it or not. And there's standards that the EPA uses and I think it's four picocuries per liter they suggest that you mitigate for radon, and there's ways to do that. Um, there's another way to test for it, um, and that is there's companies that have to have machines that basically monitor for radon. You've, for 48 to 72 hours, I think you've got to continuously monitor your basement, and it's just a little thing that sits on a tripod, and they come back, and right away they will give you the average uh, picocuries per liter of radon. And like I say, nine times out of ten in Columbus, if you look for it, you're going to find it. Um, those tests cost anywhere from, I'd say, about $150, but you know right away. And they tend to be a little more reliable. Um, the machines are certified. They have to be certified every year, and the company that does them, companies that do them have to be licensed. Um, if you want to get your home tested for radon, shoot me an email at paul at Paul George, uh, Real Estate. Uh, dot com. I can get you, I've got it set up with, you know, I have people order so many that they give me discounts when somebody needs a test done. And when they do so, um, and they find it and you want to mitigate for it, there is, I'd say the charge is anywhere from uh, $900 to $2,000. Um, and what they do basically is they keep the gas that comes up from radon, by the way, it, it's a gas that comes up through your basement it, there's always cracks in everybody's basement. It's not a flaw or anything like that. It's just how concrete cures. If you have a crawl space, it'll come up through that. If you have a sump pump, it'll come up through that. So what radon companies do basically is they encapsulate all that and they have a, like a suction, that a fan that sucks out the air and it takes it outside where it dissipates and things. Um, if you ever drive by a subdivision, you look out the side, you'll see these big ugly pipes coming out from the side of the house. Uh, that's one way of mitigating for it. You can also do it so it goes through your garage and it's very no, not noticeable. So, like I said, if you want to get that tested, um, once you do and you come ask me to sell your house, you have to disclose that to the buyer, so you might as well get it done now. Um, some people think it's a scam. Some people don't. But, honestly, if I had little kids and they spent a lot of time in the basement, I'd want to know if we had it or not. So, But it's a very personal thing, but when you go to sell it, just be prepared that somebody might um, test for it and, you know, you probably have to mitigate for it. So with that fun news, let's get back to um, Grace and Rachel with Three Pillar Homes. And let's talk a little bit more about Evans Farm. I think uh, you kind of, we were talking during the break about some of the things that are kind of trendy and 
you guys said that, well, they're not trendy to us because everybody's doing them. Um, one of the things, and I know you guys don't do them, but I know you design things for some of the outdoor living. I remember one of your houses there had a pool in the back. You know, you talk about the small lot lines and things like that, but they're big enough for a pool. And I see waterfalls and things like that. What are some of the other things that people are doing that you see? So in Evans Farm, it is really popular to look at the option of detaching your garage. So if you're wanting a more rectangular backyard or a big pool um, beyond just what you, you can have in your two side yards, that's that's a pretty popular option. So there's a decent amount of houses in Evans Farm where they've done that, and that just gives them a lot of flexibility to go crazy with their outdoor design. Um, but anywhere from outdoor kitchens to fire pits, obviously pools, um, the client can t- either do that after close or we can help them as far as project managing that for them throughout construction too. So that is available and they can put that in their mortgage if they wanted to, that type of thing. Is Absolutely. that correct? Okay. That's yeah. good to know. Evans farm also has, um, great fence options that they allow the homeowners to do. So, I did not know that. Yeah. So. so if you, if someone did want a pool in the back, they're allowed to have a privacy fence and it can go up. Seven or eight feet, I eight believe. Foot tall. Eight foot tall. Mm-hmm. So you can really have that private backyard oasis if that's what you're looking for. There's a couple pool houses in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. <laughs> so people have done some really, really fun things. Well, good. And, and again, I think we're just scratching the surface on whatever somebody can imagine. Um, I I know when we go down to Florida, there is they encourage people to go outside on the lanai's and things like that. And they have these accordion doors where it's almost 12 feet of glass. Do you guys do that? And if so, what does it lead to? And does that work here in Columbus with our temperatures the way they are? It definitely does. Um, and we, we do them a fair amount. Um, I'd say for, for most people, it's thinking about what that's tying into and then the cost of doing that too, if it's, if it's worth it to them. Um, but for us, our, our brand new model that we just opened up in Evans Farm that's on the Parade of Homes tour this year, we do have a giant 15-foot-wide by 8-foot-tall slider that leads out to the covered porch, and the covered porch leads out to a brick paver patio. Um, so typically, it's tying into the covered porch, the rear covered porch or side covered porch. Um, and then we also see them a lot for our clients that are building on walkout basements. So from their lower level, they can walk right out to outside, and it just makes that lower level space feel more like a third level of living space versus just a basement. Explain to me a little bit about you know, you just threw out some numbers there, and I don't know if people can relate to something like that because of most of us, if we got a sliding door, we've got four feet and we got a four foot opening, that's it. You've got eight feet of glass, but you got four feet you can get open. How, how big of an opening can you get? Can you drive a car through it? Can you yeah. get a pool table through it? Because somebody asked me that. Can yeah. I, how do we get this in here? So there's different types of slider doors. Um, there's ones that are called a Western door or an accordion door where they slide in together. Um, so it ends up only being one panel that's exposed, even though there's three or four panels within the sliding door. And then you'll also have what's called OXXO sliders. Um, the X's are the parts that move. So you'll have two moving panels and then two fixed panels. Oh, so it's not kisses, kisses, hugs or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> you can think of it that way too. Uh-huh. <laughs> but there, there's different options for clients available and um, they can see options in a showroom. They can look at catalogs. Most of the times people are coming with their Pinterest photos as far as inspiration that, that we're kind of giving them what we would recommend based off what they're showing us that they want. So with all of this outdoor living we're talking about and some of the features on the inside, now I'm going to hit you up to something we didn't talk about before. But when people want to go outside, where do, what do they do? What, what else is there to do in Evans Farm right now as compared to or what's coming, I guess, is a, a better yeah. option. Do you have any ideas of? So there's know. a lot of great parks already in place. Um, so there's recreational parks for, for kids to play in. Uh, different rocking chairs spread throughout the community. There's a fair amount of birthday parties that happen, a lot of the big blow-ups. <laughs> mm. um, very active Facebook group, so that's typically how you keep in the know of everything that's going on there. Beyond that, um, there's a park that has a community fire pit where we stock the wood. Um, there's some green space parks as well. We chatted a little bit about Jennings Sports Park, which is coming here soon. Um, and then really just the, the retail restaurants that are walkable. It's a big 
golf cart community. So it kind of has that Florida feel as far as people are hanging out on their porches and taking their golf cart down to the parks to do happy hour. Um, in the alleyway, um, there's a pickleball tournament that happens on Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, or not really tournament, more of a league. But so there's a lot of fun things that the residents will plan together, plan out resident events. There's an Evans Farm block party they're planning right now for the residents. And then just beyond that, um, Alum Creek is so close. So I know a lot of the residents go boating there. You have the Human Beach, the marina, which they just redid, where there's live music, restaurant. And then um, Evans Farm itself connects to two neighboring communities, the Meadows at Lewis Center and Bryn Mawr. So it's a great option for people looking to bike if they don't want to bike on the busy main road of Lewis Center. Um, they can bike through the community and there's, you know, miles to bike around too. So, And that's, again, this all ties into community. And I think people can see that Evans Farm is not just a subdivision. It is truly a community. And the nice thing about being new in a community like this is people are looking to be in community. And I think they have really enhanced that by just all the activity. You just threw out all kinds of things that, you know, when people move into a subdivision, it's like, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to have to go have a birthday party at Polaris. So we're going to have to go. You can do anything right there, it yeah. sounds like. so. I miss the fishing ponds yeah. as well. <laughs> yep. But that's been a fun thing. You know, typically at sunset, you see little little kids out with their parents fishing the stocked ponds. Um, and then beyond that, you know, a fair amount of the residents are becoming involved in the commercial themselves. So oh, they're investing in the commercial or they're starting up their own lawn care business and doing it for their neighbors. So it's it's really fun to see the camaraderie and kind of everybody come together and invest in the community too to make it what it is today okay well before we go how do people find you you know real quick tell us how to find you guys yes well again my name's grace crony um you can find me at evans farm that is my home base um you can find me on three pillar homes website and their social media as well well i appreciate you guys being here and it's a lot better to look at than Xenius, i'll tell you that <laughs> so Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm glad you guys came. Next week, we will be talking to the Delaware County Auditor. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting show, so tune in. If you live in Delaware County or even Franklin County, you'll get some tips. We'll see you next week. Thanks. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.